Damn, look at Amy. Next level. Hey, what, I don't even know. She's got apparatus. Look at, look at that apparatus. Yeah. She has big goals now, so this is... Let's go. That's what that camera's for. Um, all right, so you sent me a bunch of messages this week. I did. And I was torn on what we should talk about today. Oh, man, I was flying messages. You have so many good Woo! ones, and I'm going to save I'm gonna save a couple of them. What? Yeah, because I realized that there's one that you sent me last week that mm-hmm. should have been a staple of Seeking Wisdom since day one. And we haven't done a podcast episode on it yet. All right. Let's do it. Uh, I don't know what it is. Okay. So I'm going to read you a little quote. This was from an announcement that went out last week. And it was talking about uh, you guys, uh, you and Elias. One indelible lesson from David and Elias is the philosophy of servant leadership. Servant leadership focuses managers on serving their team, not the other way around. And sometimes that means helping solidify a vision. But more often it means empowering people and teams with an uncomfortable level of of ownership. So today on Seeking Wisdom, we're going to talk about servant leadership. Wow, I can't believe we haven't talked about this. I can't believe it. But before we go into this, I got an email. This is where I never know where this is mm-hmm. going to go. I got an email from a listener up oh. in Canada. Oh, got man. called out. Yeah. We need to eat some humble pie and say we apologize, Seeking Wisdom family. Mm. Because we let you down. Mm-hmm. We let the ego get in our way we did. with the, not the last episode, which was Pat Grady, the one before that, yeah. which uh, we talked about. Um, we, it was supposed to be a thank you episode. It was supposed to be a thank you episode. And I think. Explain yourself. Explain yourself to the people. <laughs> I'm going to explain myself. I'm taking okay. ownership. It was supposed to be a thank you episode. We had a, we had a, a week of hypergrowth and, and we announced our Series B. It was supposed to be a thank you episode. But uh, I guess it came off as a little bit humble braggy, yeah, and that's yeah. not what we ever want to do. No. So we apologize to yeah. you, everyone, peoples. We apologize. I, I, you know, we got we got one email, and I don't know if that's indicative of the larger thing. But if somebody tells you, then you know, we're that's gonna, it. And we got to remember the the struggle between humility and your ego is a daily battle. We daily all battle. we we all falter. Yes. And so we faltered a bit. We apologize. We're back at it. We're back on the grind. We're here to talk about servant leadership. Yeah. What do you know about servant leadership? Oh, what do I know about servant leadership? I I didn't know. I always knew what it was, but I didn't know the name. Mm-hmm. I didn't know it had a name. Yes. And I just, to me, servant leadership has been like leading by example. Uh, that's always been a thing that I've tried to think about is mm-hmm. leading by example. Those are people that I respect. Yep. Those are people that do things. Um, but then once... I've been here two years now, and mm-hmm. I, when I got connected with you guys, I started to see the the, the true meaning of servant leadership, mm-hmm. which is everything from, uh, you know, cleaning up like after somebody to buying donuts mm-hmm. to I don't know whatever whatever the small examples are. Mm-hmm. Uh, servant leadership is is basically a, a way to set the tone for everybody else. Yep. And if you want to lead, first you have to serve. Mm, I love that. If you want to lead, first you have to serve. So I kind of stumbled upon the idea of servant leadership uh, many years ago, probably, I don't remember what year it was, early 2000s, let's say, when I read for the first time one of my favorite books, Sam Walton, wow. Made in America. That's three times in 24 hours you've mentioned that book. Mm, people don't know. How much, Only co- co- how much does it cost? $5. Oh, Okay. But it's too expensive. Okay. He was the richest man in the world. He wrote his book, that book on his deathbed. The richest $5. man in the world wrote a book, and it cost $5. Mm-hmm. But everyone's, yeah. everyone wants to learn, but, but no you, one has time to read that You could go book. keep reading BuzzFeed anyway. Okay, yeah, or BuzzFeed. Anyway, in that book, the first time I read it, he talked about the notion of servant leadership yeah. and that he was there to serve the associates at Walmart, right, uh, which was his company, and that's how he viewed things, right? He had this kind of... Uh, humble approach where 
uh, humble beyond any of us, right? Drove was a billionaire, drove an old pickup truck with dogs and chickens in the back, and uh, and was there, you know, sweeping up and taking care of those stores, and that was his approach. And there was something that talked to me, that spoke to me about that, and but I put it to the side. You know, I did what all of us do, followed conventional wisdom, went the opposite of servant leadership, and uh, and did that for a number of years. And then it was years later that I came back to revisit mm. that topic. I love you just said conventional wisdom, and I, I was listening to the uh, podcast we did with Pat Grady because mm-hmm. I do listen to every Seeking Wisdom episode. He had a great quote in there. Reps and sets. Three minutes in, he said, uh, he said um, if you follow conventional wisdom, you'll end up with a conventional company. And I Thing was like, that. wow. And that's true in that's all true. areas of life. Yeah. If you follow conventional wisdom yep. in finances, you'll be broke. If you follow conventional wisdom in health, you'll be sick. Mm-hmm. And if you follow it in building companies, you'll build a mediocre company. So I followed conventional wisdom, led to mediocre results. Then I came back to read, and I didn't like the results. And so I thought there had to be a different way. And somehow I, re- I think I reread that book, and that really stood out to me, the idea. What is, what is, what's the connection between servant leadership and, owner, and ownership? Mm. So... Um, Good question. So let me, before I answer that, let me explain how I think about servant leadership. So typically in kind of management theory, there's this pyramid, right? And at the base of the pyramid, so think about a pyramid, at the base, mm-hmm. which is the largest part, obviously, of a pyramid, those are the individual contributors. And then as you go up in title, you start to go up to, then you go to managers, directors, VPs, CEO, Right, and that's the top of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. Right, and what happens in most companies is that's how they're run, and most people want to move from the bottom of the pyramid, the mass of many, and they want to go up and be as close to the top of that pyramid. And why is that? Because the rewards and the decision making happens that way. And then servant leadership takes that paradigm, and my version of it flips the pyramid upside down, and so at the top of the pyramid is the widest part, right? And the, at the top of the pyramid in my version, are the customers, are the first thing, right? So they are the most important thing. And then in the second tier are the individual contributors, and then you keep going down until eventually you get to the the CEO, right? And what that does is it gives everyone a visual paradigm for understanding who is here to serve who. Mm -hmm. And the idea is that the higher your title is, the more your job is to support those above you, and ultimately, the, the person that is at the very top is, are the customers. Okay. How do you, like, so you're a CEO. You've been on exec teams. Mm-hmm. How, do you, how do you screen, how do you interview for that? Like, how do you screen for that? And mm-hmm. how do you make sure that everybody else is a believer? Because I feel like that doesn't work if you're the only guy that thinks about that. Like, it has to be a company culture thing, Yeah, I, right? I, I think um, that's a good question. I think it doesn't work unless you're, you have these little tiny acts that are unscalable back to our unscalable kind of notion, like that are not scalable that you have to do each day because by its very nature, like the things that you're going to deal with in this upside down pyramid are to deal with these exceptions that are not scalable, right? It's going to be the complaints about, like we talked about the no M&Ms or like we'd have, we'd have an ad donuts in three weeks or whatever it is, like those have to become the top priority or whatever the customer may be complaining about. And so one, we orient our teams around serving the customer. But beyond that, that's the first uh, guardrail. Beyond that, we kind of try to look for managers and VPs and those kind of people that are willing to put in the work first, back to your example in the beginning, and, and serve and actually do the job before yeah. they and, leave. And one thing, I remember you wrote, you wrote this early on. You wrote this early on at Drift. You wrote, um, 
It was something, I forget what the doc was, but an internal thing on the wiki. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about, you wrote something like, whether we hire uh, whether we hire a VP, uh, a C-level, whatever, a director, a senior director, a manager, whoever, nothing that you've done before at counts. other companies counts. Yeah. Everyone's clock, everyone's resume resets when you come mm-hmm. to Drift. Is mm-hmm. that a connection to this? Absolutely. you got to so come reset. in and show. You get no credit. No credit. Yeah, and one thing that I would do in the past, which we should do again, is uh, even when you would bring in, I would bring in a VP, I would not have anyone report to that person for a while until they proved themselves, right? And so they had to earn themse- their way versus coming in and saying, You've done oh, that? Absolutely, 100%. In product? Yes, 100%. What, so what do they do? Uh, they were an individual contributor, and they helped so the like team. So they're like a PM for a while? or like... They basically served. They oh, served yeah. the team. They I did like one-on-ones. Like they did all lot. that stuff, but no one actually reported to them. I like that a lot. And then eventually, uh, then... As they had some mastery and they would prove themselves, then two people would report to them. And then a team. And then a bigger team. And then three teams. And it just kept, you know, kept expanding until the point that maybe a whole organization uh, reported to them. But what that showed was, one, it was a qualifier for people who wanted that role. Like, are you willing to go back to zero, back to your point, and earn your way back even though you have this great experience? Even if your title and you came in and your title was VP, it just still meant you had to work your way back up? Are you willing to do that? And that would disqualify most people. Yeah, most people, because that's, that's the ultimate, like, you know, every, everyone in the stock line is like, you know, I'm a roll, I, I roll up my sleeves yeah. and whatever, right? You've heard that so much <laughs> yeah, from everybody. No, no one does it. No one does it. That's, all, that, that's, yeah. a, that's a hell of, so a, that was hell a, of a way to test a, that. A out. crazy task. Yeah. You know, others would be, you know, interviewing people and seeing how often they took credit for things versus gave other people yeah. credit. The that's I, the I, I, we, we thing. Things. So mm-hmm. that's an example of like mm-hmm. serving. And whether uh, even when someone was in and was in a leadership role, like were they willing to put aside maybe what they were focused on in order to help an individual within the team? You know, right? the other hard, the, the other hard part, and this is hard to learn. Yeah, ego thing is that with servant leadership. You often have to do things, actually almost all the time you have to do things, where no one is, it's thankless, it's a thankless thing. Totally thankless. You're never going to get the, you're never going to get the credit, right? Nope. Nobody's ever going to be like, oh man, he, you know, thank you so much for bringing in those donuts, man. That was, totally. people never are like, happen. fuck you, I expect you to bring that yeah, in. <laughs> How come there were no jellies this time? What's going on? What's happening but here? We don't have any, we're the vegan donuts. We yeah, don't yeah. have any. Oh, that's you true, that's true. No me. vegan, no vegan donuts, no vegetarian donuts. Uh, it's true. That's not a knock on vegans. You know we're about the plant life. So I'm yeah, that a plant-based lifestyle. Hashtag plant-based. I'm getting nervous. We the bigger this podcast is growing, there's more people that are you yeah, know, yeah. every you every episode. Offend. We can't offend somebody. Uh, so the and we love it. Rich roll <laughs> podcast. Uh, Future so, seeking wisdom. Mm-hmm. Guest. Guest. That's for sure. You better uh-huh. come on, dude. Yep. So anyway, that's a way to test. That's the way you go. And I think what ends up happening is in order to build a t- uh, an organization, a company that has the sense of autonomy that we all want as humans, not only people here at Drift, but just humans want, it, I don't see any way that that can work without a servant leadership framework, right? Because it can't work in that model. And so you have to flip it and have the servant leadership framework as the basis for being able to empower that that thing that we all want, which is the autonomy and the mastery. Yes. Um, you, it needs to be built on this base. All right. So before we before we wrap this one, that's mm-hmm. made me think of another management philosophy that we've never talked about here that, that I want you to talk about. Why one thing that you 
argue so strongly against and try to try to build a company around is, I never argue you don't argue uh, is to not That's have consent <laughs> yeah it is um, no consent there's no d- c- decisions driven by consensus oh, come on right I hate it but that's the norm for so many. That's yeah. the default. Is mm-hmm. let me let's. But that goes back to conventional wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Leads to conventional results. Sure Consensus means the same thing. Yeah. It means that we're averaging down to the the thing that is the least offensive. So to if you people. get five people in a room and you say, "Hey, what do you guys all think about um, my new? What do you think about my new marketing campaign? Would yeah, you guys like that this?" That sucks Three because one, yes. none of those people are customer. Two, they probably don't want to offend you. Three, there'll be different opinions in there. No one's right, you know, ultimately. And so you'll average down to something that everyone agrees upon. So it always leads to a bad place. So kind of that's why we try to have fewer meetings than most because, like, meetings by definition are a consensus-driving activity. And so consensus is going to come out of there. So Mm -hmm. beyond informational meetings, like we have the company one-on-one or some of the all-hands meetings, like, those are more informational meetings, but when you're, like, five people in a room, like, discussing something, those usually – it's hard to fight Mother Nature and say that we're not going to average down to whatever the consensus opinion is there. And that's – I think I've seen you do this a lot where you, you'll you say, like, um, if somebody comes to you with a, a sales-related thing, you're like, I don't know, ask Armin. Totally. I don't know, ask Craig. Yeah, like Craig's deflect. A, Armin's VP of sales. Craig, you, you just say, I don't know. That's not. Yeah, that's not. Your, that's not my area anymore. Ask them. Yep. And you have to. You, you have, have to delegate to. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to get rid of that. Yeah. So, don't forget. Something has been happening Uh-oh. where I'm not seeing enough six star reviews. You just read my mind. We got to do a contest. I think we need a contest. It's the month. I think so. Why not? I'll let you go ahead. You take it. There's not enough six star reviews coming in. There's not. You know, my ego is fragile. Yes. Uh, we all have the egos. Where did they go? I don't know. We need some more. Once a week, you would forward me this lovely email from Podrover that would be like, you have 39 new I don't know, reviews. But we and need I would some just more sit reviews. on my couch like, shh. So we need to know, do you like this podcast? Do you still like this podcast? Do you still want this podcast? Is this old news? What's going on? Do we need on? to adapt? Do, do we, we need, need a new, new format? format? Yeah, what's going on? What's the matter? All right, five-star reviews, yeah. six stars if you can. Uh-huh. And in them, mention Michelle, mm. one L. One L. One L. It's one L. Come on. It's classy. Fun fact Michelle works in customer success at Drift, but she closed the deal today. Careful. Watch out. Watch out. Going into sales, (laughs) put her on the hot seat. Yeah. Anyway, mention Michelle and Amy. And Amy. Shout it out. Mm And uh, maybe we will have a contest. Maybe we'll give away some books or some things to the people who leave five star only reviews. Shout us out. This is a movement. Next year, Hypergrowth is going to be 5,000 people. (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. I got excited. I got excited. This can't be the first time we have this conversation again. I wish you could see DJ's face right now. No, actually, we it's had. Red. We were going. We were getting a coffee. Look at it. He's stuttering. He's no, no, no. We talked about five. We talked about five. I just okay. wasn't ready for the public to unveil. All right. I like what you did though. You flipped the contest. You flipped flipped the contest on him. You said maybe if you leave a review, you'll get something. Yeah, you'll get something. Maybe. Okay, so not guaranteed. Life is not guaranteed. Five thousand people next year. You want to tell them the other half? The other half? Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. So five thousand people. We're not going to get there without these five star reviews. So go to Apple Podcasts, open that up, leave some five star reviews, Mm -hmm. so we can bring you the best guests on the podcast, but also at next year's Hypergrowth. I want here's we we we're not going to share too much more about Hypergrowth, but I will tell you this: Mm -hmm. we are going to be using Seeking Wisdom 
strategically okay. over the next year. Yep. The people we're featuring people who are role models, mentors, mm-hmm. peer groups, yeah. legends to us. We're yeah. going to bring them on seeking wisdom. We we didn't have a lot of guests, and then we realized, you know what? Let's have guests, but let's only have people that really we can learn from. Yep. And that's who we're going to have. So. What we realized though is that seeking wisdom is like a, is like the perfect the perfect place to build up all these people and then we yep. ask them to come speak at Hypergrowth. This is your personal mentor network, role model network here. So leave a review. Shout out Amy Michelle one L. Yes. Tell Michelle that she needs to go into sales. We'll show <laughs> this to her, and uh, and keep listening. If you like this podcast, share it with someone else. Share it with a friend. All right, we're out. See you.